In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is he who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, uh, I would like to say happy fourth Sunday of, uh, of Advent to everyone who is out there. And um, we are just five days away from Christmas, four days away from Christmas Eve, and 11 days away from the end of 2020, this dumpster fire of a year um, that all of us have endured together and I think are ready to put um, in, in our rearview mirror. Never will the new year have been greeted by so many people with so much joy. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's that time of year, and um, it's, it, it's been a relatively mild winter, but it's starting to get cold again. And one of the, um, you know, one of the things is when the weather starts turning, and, and I'm no Philistine, you know, I wait till, uh, I wait till uh, Thanksgiving to put on Christmas music, but uh, Associate Pastor Matt Anderson here, um, he's a bit more of a fair weather person, and so once Halloween hits, Matt is ready to start bumping the Christmas music jams. And, and I'm not a Grinch. I'm not a Grinch. Even though I don't have the same standards as him, I'm not a Grinch. I myself enjoy Christmas music just as much as the next person. But for me, uh, I have to be honest, when I talk about Christmas music that I love, I also need to be honest about Christmas music um, that I absolutely cannot stand at all. And so uh, I just want to name up front before I say what I'm about to say, that you yourself 
are not being personally targeted by the fact that I do not like this song. If you love this song, if this song is on repeat in your home, if this is your favorite Christmas song of all time, please know that I am not personally attacking you with what I am about to say to each, uh, to each their own when it comes to this. And so it's actually the song I'm about to talk about, and maybe you can figure this out. You're probably thinking in your mind, what is he talking about? But it's a song that is directly related to our passage this morning, which is called The, uh, the Annunciation. Because this is where the angel Gabriel uh, comes to Mary and announces that she is going to conceive and bear, bear a son, bear, bear a child. And so uh, uh, I wonder if you've guessed it in your mind yet. But the song to which I am referring is none other than Mary, Did You Know? And if you're not familiar with it, it goes like this. I'll do a little singing right now, a little extra worship for you, okay? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Feel free to sing along. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know? And I, I forget actually what follows after, uh, after that. But uh, this song, beloved by many, as I said, maybe you. But for me, uh, it's just, it's so schmaltzy that I just can't get over it. But, but even more than that, um, I don't just, you know, dislike this song, because there's lots of, of corny Christmas songs out there. But it, it, it's such an earworm. It gets stuck in your head. Like, for the past several weeks, I have not been able to get, uh, I heard a parody version of this song that I won't get into, that I have not been able to shake from my brain. And so, uh, Mary, did you know, just, just it nuzzles its way, it, 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 it weasels its way into your brain, and is inescapable. And so, uh, but I do, want to, uh, I do want to use Mary Did You Know as a way to uh, walk through our passage this morning. Because the question for me isn't, did Mary know? It's, what did Mary know? And when, uh, when did she know it? And, and so, of course, there are details she could not have known. She could not have known, you know, what Jesus would walk on water. She, she could not have known the specifics of the life of her child. But she clearly did know something because the angel Gabriel tells her. And so this morning, I want to look at, at, at three things. Uh, I want to look at, um, you know, what she knew. I want to look at how she knew it. And lastly, the paradox of what she knew. So, so, so what she knew from, from Gabriel's announcement to her, how she knew it, how did she receive that knowledge? How did she process that knowledge? And lastly, the paradox of what she knew. So first, what did she know? And so Luke, he sets the scene by telling us um, you know, where we are and, and what we're dealing with, who we're working with. And so he, he places Mary in her life situation brilliantly with just a few details. So he tells us that she's in, in Nazareth, which was this village in Galilee that was basically Nowheresville. You know, maybe a thousand people, slightly more than a thousand people, live there at this point. And we know that Nazareth is basically Nowheresville because uh, in the Gospel of John, uh, Nathaniel says, Nazareth? You know, when he hears that Jesus is from Nazareth, he goes, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? So it's Nowheresville. It's Podunk, Galilee. And then Luke tells us that Mary was betrothed to a man named Joseph. And so uh, she's a young woman, we know. And, and, and so about that time, you know, she'd be around 14 years of age. And, and betrothal was a part of this two-step marriage process. So you, you're betrothed. And then for about a year, you continue to live in your family home until the, the wedding takes place and the marriage is con- consummated. And betrothal was so serious that it could only be broken by divorce. And so here we have a young woman, 14 years old, 
you know, living in her family household, awaiting uh, the, the, the fulfillment of her marriage. And, uh, you know, as she's living in her home in traditional societies like this, still today uh, in the Middle East in, in many places, um, you know, you're not going to have a lot of interaction with males who are not your relatives outside of your household at all. That, that's taboo, especially um, when you are betrothed. And then all of a sudden, this Gabriel fellow appears in her house. And Luke doesn't say anything about, you know, he's, he has wings like we think of an angel or he's shining bright. No, no, no. It just all of a sudden, there's this strange man who appears in her house. And in fact, the word angel just means messenger. And so given what I just said about Mary and her age and her life situation, we can understand why him just showing up would trouble her greatly, beside the fact that he is an angel. Hence, there's the importance of Gabriel stressing to Mary that his appearance means good news. So he says, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. You know, don't call the cops. Like, this, this is going to be okay. And so his greeting tells her two things, two, two things she can know right off the bat from just these first words from Gabriel. And these two things are this, that what is going to follow is going to be about God's grace and it's going to be about God's power. And so in Scripture, when it says, the Lord is with you, this is a phrase that, that's usually actually associated with, with battle, with fighting. So when you get the assurance that God is going to be with you, that means that God is going to give you the power, the help, the assistance, the resources that you need to win a victory over your enemies. So to say that the Lord is with you means that God is going to give you the power to accomplish the task he set before you, or he's going to intervene on your behalf. And beside, besides God's power, this, this greeting is also about God's grace. And it's uh, somewhat obscured in, in the translation, but, you know, where, where we read, Greetings, O favored one. In Greek, it, it literally means grace, O one who is favored with grace. So this is a message about grace. It's a message about God's unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor. And so what Mary knows from the very beginning, from the very first words that come out of Gabriel's mouth, is that what's going to follow, what she's about to hear, is going to be about God's grace and God's power all in one. And, and this message about God's grace and God's power, it, it centers on this, the fact that she will conceive and bear a son through whom God's grace and power will be manifested. Grace, and in, 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 Gabriel tells her, well, you're going to name him Jesus, which means God saves. So he's going to save the people from their sins. And, and, and grace, because he's going to bring about God's, God's peaceable kingdom here on earth. And grace, and that he's going to be holy, pure, perfect, set apart. But this child will also be powerful. Gabriel says he'll be called the son of the most high, which is Messianic language. It's Davidic king language. He's going to rule on David's throne and his kingdom will have no end. And powerful because his birth is going to result not from ordinary human relations, but from the power of the Holy Spirit. Doing in, in Mary's womb, what the Spirit of God did when it hovered over the waters of the deep at, at creation. That's what Gabriel's language evokes here. The powerful presence of God's Spirit at creation right in Genesis 1. And powerful because the Holy Spirit is going to do in Mary's womb what, what God's presence did in Ezekiel when it filled the temple with glory. So what Mary knows from Gabriel 
right from the very beginning, is that she herself will bear a child who combines God's grace and God's power, God's promises to his people and his presence with his people all in one person. And embedded in these very words of of, of Gabriel to Mary are the building blocks of of what would become what, what was almost the inevitable belief of the early church about Jesus, that he was both fully human and fully divine. Now, Mary didn't know that. She couldn't know that. But we know what Mary doesn't that she will be worthy of the title that was bestowed upon her later by the church, that she was the Theotokos, the God-bearer. And so what Mary knew, we all should know too, that the child she would name Jesus brings God's grace and God's power into the world and into the lives of all who trust him, that he is the personification of God's promises and God's presence in order to bring about God's everlasting kingdom, God's rule, and God's reign into the world. And Mary knew that in this child, God's grace and God's power, his promise and his presences were all wrapped up in one unbelievably tiny package. So that's what she knew. Now second, how did Mary come to know what she knew? And this is the question of how she responded to what she heard from Gabriel. And, 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 and in Mary's case, I think we have an example for all of us how we can respond to the gospel, to the good news, to the message of Christmas, to the message about Jesus. So first, she knew by being thoughtful. So Gabriel comes in, he greets her, and then Luke tells us that Mary was greatly troubled And try to discern, that's an important word there, to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now that word discern, I don't think it fully captures uh, the depth of what she was doing there. Uh, The the word in Greek is dia logizomai, which comes, the word logic is contained in there. And so what she's doing is she's thinking deeply, vigorously, strenuously about these words that she's just heard. And so if we want to understand Christmas... If we want to understand the gospel, if we want to understand Jesus, if we want to understand the kingdom of God and what that means, then we're going to have to do some thinking. Now, that's the opposite so often of how people think faith works, right? Faith is blind faith. It is blind trust. It's believing something you hope is true but don't know to be true. You turn off your brain. But the Christian faith, as we see from Mary just right here, it's about thinking things through. It is always faith-seeking greater understanding. You know, who is, who is Jesus? How is he related to God? What's God's kingdom? How can we participate in it? There's no simple answers to those questions. And those questions actually invite further reflection. And, and there are inexhaustible depths when it comes to knowing God. And so like Mary, if we want to know what she knows, we've got to be thinkers. Now next, she knew what she knew because she was curious. After Gabriel tells her, okay, you're going to conceive and bear a son, and he's going to be Israel's everlasting king, she says, well, how is this going to be? I'm a virgin. I haven't known anyone in the biblical sense. Now, this was not a rhetorical question. This wasn't a cynical question, a skeptical question. It was an expression right here of genuine curiosity. How can this be? 
which itself is a demonstration of a desire to learn more, to know more, to understand more about the things of God. To the curious mind, there is no limits to the depths of the knowledge of God. To know Him more in, in, in prayer, to know the Scriptures more deeply, to, 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 to understand the implications of what it means to, to follow Him, to be a disciple, to be an apprentice with Jesus. There, 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 there's no limit to the things that we can learn. To know more theology, to know how to love mercy and do justice. So Mary shows us that, that, that what she knows This knowledge of God, it starts with deep thinking, which expresses itself in genuine curiosity about what God is doing. That always wants to go one step farther, one one step deeper with the Lord. Now next, at, at the end of our passage, we see that Mary knew what she knew by being in relationship with someone else, namely her relative Elizabeth. Because with Elizabeth, she could process what she had heard from Gabriel. And she could glean Elizabeth's wisdom and insight into her situation. And so one of the things I I value about Christian community in general, but I think, you know, life groups in in, in particular, uh, is my ability to grow in my understanding and knowledge of God in fellowship with other Christians who are also thinking deeply about these things and asking curious questions and endeavoring to be faithful. Those relationships provide us so often with, with fresh insights, fresh perspectives. So when we are in relationship with each other, we, we, too, we can provide those same things to other people too. It's invaluable when it comes to knowing what Mary knew. And lastly, Mary knew what she knew because she surrendered herself to the Lord. True knowledge of God comes when it's a kind of truth that can only be fully known when we submit ourselves to it. When we say along with Mary, let it be with me according to your word. We can have all kinds of of head knowledge. We can have all kinds of correct theology, you know, biblical knowledge, uh, church history, all other sorts of knowledge even. But if we haven't yet submitted ourselves to the truth, if we haven't committed ourselves to living by it, then we can know everything but ultimately it's useless. You know, what good is it to say, yeah, Jesus is Lord, but to not make him Lord of your life? And what good is it to say, well, he's he's a great teacher, and not actually live by any of his teachings? What good is it to say, I'm a Christian, and then basically we filter our beliefs such that, you know, through some other lens or some other worldview so that what remains that as Christian is incidental rather than central. See, Mary knows because she thinks, because she's curious, because she's in community, and because she submits herself to the truth. That's how she knows. And the last thing, though, is this paradox of what she knows. Because, you know, even in this passage, which is happy, which is joyful, there's a shadow side of it as well. Because the paradox of the gospel is this. While Mary is honored and favored and called blessed, that blessing is going to come to her at a great cost, to her and to her son. 
her son is going to be, you know, a king. But the crown that he's going to wear is a crown of thorns. And the throne he will sit on is a Roman cross. And this life that's going to, you know, gestate inside of her is life that will give life to everyone, but only through his death on our behalf. And Mary's called blessed, and, and, and so is the fruit of her womb, Jesus. But, but the death that he dies is going to be called cursed. And her womb is going to give this child life, but it's actually this child's tomb that is going to give eternal life. She is chosen by God. She's graced by God. She's blessed by God. But as always with God's blessing and God's choosing and God's grace, there is a call to great service and great sacrifice that goes along with that. Mary understands that. And she said, I am the servant of the Lord. But our English translations, whenever we see servant or bondservant or, you know, handmaid or something like that, the word is actually, I'm a slave. I'm the Lord's slave. And so when we receive the good news of Jesus Christ, when we believe it, when we commit to living as his faithful disciples, we are committing ourselves to lives of service and sacrifice. Because the paradox of Christmas is the paradox of Christianity. That it's only by giving that we receive. It's only in dying to ourselves that we truly live. It's only in service to Christ that we are truly free. It's only by becoming weak that we can begin to experience his power. It's only in, in, in seeming defeat that victory comes. And it's only when, when the values of Jesus' upside-down kingdom are instantiated that the world is actually right-side up. The paradox of the gospel that Mary will come to know all too well is that to be chosen by God is to be given a crown of joy and a cross of sorrow. So the question then isn't, you know, Mary, did you know? Right? It's a question that's posed to all of us. David, did you know? Amy, did you know? Greg, did you know? Paul, did you know? Matt, did you know? Eric, did you know? Elizabeth, did you know? George, did you know? Do you know this? Do you know Jesus? Do you know how to know him more? And do you know what it means for you to truly know him? Because when we truly know him, then we respond like John in utero, right? To leap for joy and to sing like Elizabeth, God's praises. And to be blessed like Mary, to bless the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for Mary, your servant. She is truly blessed among, among women, and, and blessed is the fruit of her womb, Jesus. And God, we thank you for Mary saying yes, saying yes to you, saying yes to serving you, <laughs> saying yes to carrying your son in her womb, and to raising him up to be our Savior. God, might we too in our own small ways be partners with you in your mission to reconcile all things to yourself. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.